know, this is an honor tonight. It's always an honor to pinch hit. I like to say pinch hit for pastors Kevin and Devin Wallace. And I love my pastors. Anybody else love your pastors? Anybody else excited about Sunday when they're going to be back this Sunday? Yes. He texted me just a few minutes ago and he said, we're home. And I said, well, welcome home. We are glad you're back. <laughs> but I want to, I want to give uh, honor where honor is due tonight to you. I want to thank you because when he left and they left, excuse me, when they left, the two of them are pastors. Pastor Devin's amazing. Pastor Kevin and Devin went on sabbatical. He, they, I know Pastor Kevin said it. Pastor Devin probably did too, but said, when we're out, we need you to be all in. And we don't want you to have preacher religion. We want you to love the church enough that you're going to come to the church regardless of who's the speaker and who the praise and worship leaders are that day and who's on vacation, on sabbatical, who's teaching, whatever that looks like. And you have honored that. We talked a lot about not having a summer slump, but a summer jump. You guys have done an amazing job at continuing the work of this church. Give yourselves a hand. Now give the Lord a hand. That ought to be a little bit louder. And I would be remiss if I did not say something about our staff. We have the greatest church staff of anywhere in America. And let me encourage you to do something. Our email addresses at the church are firstname.lastname at rttnchurch.com. Email somebody on our staff this week and tell them you love them and you appreciate them. Because they have put in overtime through this sabbatical time. They have worked extremely hard through the sabbatical time because we know that it's easy during vacation months and with pastors out for people to take some time off. So email somebody, tell them you love them, uh, give them a big hug through the internet, through email. Can you do that for me? My wife is up here tonight. Somebody gave out a yell like I do that. Ow! I don't know who that was, but yeah. Uh, you don't know what that is because this is a daughter of a preacher, a pastor for 40 years, the, daughter, the granddaughter of a pastor and church overseer, um, but she married a coach. And because she was a PK, at one point in time, she said, I'll go anywhere with you and do anything with you, but just don't go into ministry. <laughs> Doesn't God have a sense of humor? Is that right? That is very true. I'm, you know, not proud to admit that <laughs> while I'm up here, but yes. And uh, the only scripture right now when he, when he asked me to do this, I'm thinking, Lord, I, I, I know the word is infallible, and I, but this submission thing right now, is just, I just don't know how I'm feeling about this submission scripture. Uh, but, but, uh, Let me tell you who she is. Very seldom do you ever see her or know her. She loves to stay behind the scenes, but this lady's a servant, and she has served our family in an incredible way. But she has a degree, a teacher's degree. She's a teacher by trade, a uh, teacher education degree from Lee University. Th first three years at Kennesaw State when we lived in Georgia and then uh, finished at Lee her fourth year. But um, she got a real estate license. She can do a little bit of that. She's got a, uh, what is that, stock options? You went to New York City and did something crazy yeah, with that? that? that was his idea, though, too. <laughs> Somebody had I to said, make yes, money. <laughs> Multi-talented, incredibly intelligent, but let me tell you something, full of the word and a prayer warrior. And if you want somebody to get through to God, this is the one. She's the one that encourages me. She, she slaps me around when I need it, keeps me straight. 
but I respect the woman of God that she is. And when I ask her to do this, her immediate answer is always no. And then I tell her, you need to pray and you need to be obedient. So tonight she is taking a step of obedience. Is that right? I am. Yes, I am. So if y'all will pray for me, I would appreciate that uh, very much. But and I am very sorry. I've got to go get my glasses. <laughs> okay. We are getting a little older. Uh, but I, I, I want to do it this way because I believe this. I believe God created man and woman. Amen. Adam and Eve. Right. And I believe that we see through different lenses. Thus, she needs her glasses. But we see things differently. I think it's beautiful that we see things differently. And I've told you before in our staff meetings, we've got, we got a whole slew of 20-somethings. And then we've got 60s and 70s in the room. And we've got multiple generations, multiple ethnicities. We've got every possible picture because we all see things through different experiences that we have in life. And, and that's how heaven's going to be. It's going to be a little black and white and a little jalapeno. And we're going to have a little, we're going to have a party up there all the time. Amen. God's no respecter of persons. And he doesn't give any one group of people something that he doesn't give the other. So I think it's invaluable that we have pastors Kevin and Devin because they have different lenses, different life experiences. And tonight you're going to hear my viewpoints and my wife's viewpoints because sometimes we see things differently. Is that okay? God's going to speak through this woman tonight. You're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And I want to go ahead and tell you this. I just told Pastor Rick, I, this was not planned. But at the, at the end of this tonight, don't leave because we're going to have a time of prayer for you. You know, Sunday is Synergy Sunday. Ryan said it Sunday. And I started thinking as we were praying down here uh, during the worship, Tori and Rashara and the team were so awesome, so great. And the leadership of, of uh, Pastor Tobin, who never, ever gets up front. He just always stays behind the scenes and keeps things going. Such a man of God. I'm so proud of him. Uh, Nate and Seth and our team, our band, all you guys. But I thought about this when, when Pastor Ryan said, we're going to pray for all the students, teachers, administrators, cafeteria workers, maintenance workers, uh, bus drivers, on and on and on. There was one group that got left out, and it's the parents. Tonight, I want to pray for parents. Is that okay? So when this is over, we're going to have a time of prayer for parents because right before we came in here tonight, I, I let Stephanie out and they were so kind to come and get her, you know, with a, an umbrella and keep her dry and keep her hair all in place. And all three of mine got out of place, but that's another story. I went over to the Generations building. How many of you in here tonight have a student in the Gen building? How many of you have, keep your hands up. How many of you have a student or a child in, in uh, our kids back here? Raise your hand if you've got a student or a kid in one of our pro. Okay, that's what I thought. We're going to pray for you because we've been through some stuff. And we're still going through stuff as parents. But tonight we're going to pray for you. Is that okay? So stick around. Tonight will be a collaborative effort. It will be a, a cooperative effort. It will be two co-workers sharing the mission and purpose of what we believe is what is to come. We want to talk to you about what is to come. You know, the thing about this church has such a great reputation, and we go all over the place and, and see people and work with churches and, and talk to people, and they're so intrigued by our church. They're always asking questions about our church, but one of the things that we continue to hear about our church is, you know, your church is a house, a, a prophetic house. 
It's not just a Pentecostal church, it's a prophetic church. And how does, how does, that, how does that work? How does that come off? How, how do you guys do that? And so on and so forth. So tonight we want to talk about what is to come. What's in the future? What's the plan? What's going to happen? What hasn't happened yet that is going to happen? And we're going to, we're going to teach out of the Old Testament because there's all kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament. And we're going to tie it to the New Testament. We're going to show you the years that span between prophecies. And now sometimes it takes God a little bit of time to prepare his bride to receive what it is that was prophesied over you, us, years ago. Is that okay? So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 24. Stephanie, you want to tell them how hard this was for you to get up here tonight? very difficult um for sure and um I, I i'm just i'm honored and thankful that he thinks so highly of me i i love him but sometimes i'm like no 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 please don't ask me that um but no i uh, it is an honor it is an honor to be with you we consider this is church family so um anyway we're just gonna go for it everybody in matthew matthew 24 And then we'll be reading also uh, some passages out of Isaiah. Probably won't be able to flip there that quickly, but let's talk. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded to them, do you, know, do you see all these buildings? Can't you see Jesus saying, you see all these buildings? I, I just see that, that, that strong speech. I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. I did some research on the temple, and you know the story with the temple. You know, they'd, they'd tear it down and rebuild it, and tear it down and rebuild it, and on and on and on. This goes on throughout the Bible. And we got to go to Israel with Pastor back in December, and we, we got to see. And, and the intricacies of the temple are so intriguing to me because I have to look at it and say, they didn't have bulldozers, they didn't have cranes, they didn't have any of these things. And you see, you got guys that are in construction, you see these massive stones and you think, how did they do that? And they're so precisely cut without the drills and saws that we had then, that, that we have now, they're so precisely cut that they don't have mortar. Think about that. So Jesus is saying, and, and, and when these men built these, these temples back in the days, and in their houses and all the things that they built, they were so proud of them. It was a chest bump, you know. It was a, look what I did, look what we did, you know. And some of these things would take years and decades to build because of the intricacies involved and the weight that was involved in these things. So Jesus says that the, not one stone will be left on top of another. Basically, I'm going to destroy everything that's taking place here. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? All this stuff you're talking about, when's this going to happen? Give, you know, give us a heads up. Give us a little inside track, Jesus. And Jesus says, uh, they said, what sign will be the signal of your return in the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Highlight that. Don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive you. You'll hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. I'm in the new, new uh, what's this called? The new living. New Living Translation. Yet these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Say immediately. See, there's a time span that takes place. Nation will go against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, 
But all of this is only the first of the birth pains. There's more to come. You'll be arrested, persecuted, killed, hated all over the world because you're my followers. Many will turn away from me, betray me. They'll hate each other. Does it sound like these days? Divisiveness, hatred. Both sides accuse the other side of hate. Have you noticed that? Christians hate, the Christians are haters. To those that are not in Christ, we're, we're, we're hate speech. You share something on social media, that's hate speech. You share something out of the Bible, oh, that's hate speech. And then we look at it and say, you know, abortion is something that we think is murder. So, oh, that's hate speech. So there's all kinds of stuff taking place here that Jesus is talking about a long time ago. We're going to talk about when people will betray each other. Prophets will appear. They'll deceive many people. Read that. False prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. My father-in-law used to say, if God doesn't punish America, he'll owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Sin is rampant. We have to constantly stay in tune with our Lord and Savior. Many, uh, excuse me, the love of many will grow cold. But watch this. This whole thing starts out as a warning. Jesus is warning the disciples. This is called the Olivet Discourse. The Mount of Olives, the speech on the Mount of Olives. It's the second longest speech Jesus gave, only second to the Sermon on the Mount. So he's going into great detail. And there were four of the disciples there and some other folks around. But uh, John, Peter, Andrew, and James were there asking these questions. But watch how quickly he turns it from a warning to comfort. But there is one who will endure. But those, those who endure to the end will be saved. Amen. Those who endure to the end, when you persevere, you will be saved. And the good, where is it? I can't see. And the good. <laughs> He's looking a little feminine. I'm in the Give me my glasses. And the good. The good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations, say all nations, will hear it and then the end will come. It goes on, we'll skip on down to, to verse 22. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. How many, how many are glad to be one of the God's chosen ones? Amen. Those of us that are in the kingdom, in the body of Christ, your name's in the Lamb's book of life, you are the chosen ones. Later on, it says this. If anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and prophets will rise up and perform great signs. Watch that. They will perform great signs and wonders as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Don't be deceived. Again, there's another warning there. It says, see that I have warned you about this ahead of time. Skip on down. Down to 35, the very familiar passage says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but my word will never disappear. My word will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. I'm going to take it a step further, and I like to, I like to make things applicable to today's times, right? No one knows the return of Christ. Prophets that try to draw parallels and come up with mathematical equations and say, thus saith the Lord, they are not, they're, they're not telling the truth. The Bible is clear. It says that no one knows. 
Okay? Let me take it a step further, if I may. Because we don't talk politics in this house. Honestly, God's in control. Whoever gets elected, God's in control. I'm not on the right or the left. I'm in the middle, and I'm watching God and saying, you got this. I'm not worried about it. But these prophets that tell you they know who's going to be the next president, that's false. Don't believe it. When they tell you they know who's going to, nope. Most of the time, they're wrong. So don't believe, don't believe the lie about prophecies of things that are not to come. 45, verse 45, a faithful, sensible servant. That's what I want to be. Faithful, sensitive, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give a responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Men, stand up. Not, not literally, but stand up. Take care of your family. You are to be a protector and a provider. It says right here, manage your household and feed your family. If the master returns and finds that the servant's done a good job, there will be a reward. Amen? I want to receive that reward. So that's Matthew 24. And this is Jesus telling those disciples, ask me what you want to ask. Bring it. And I'm going to tell you that no man knows when I'm coming back to the earth. No man can predict. And watch out. Watch out for father. Over and over and over again, he gives warnings. But he always comes back with a comforting word. It's never a doomsday cable news network type of uh, story, right? It's never that way. He always gives us the truth in the end. In the end, you're going to win. That's Matthew. Yeah, and, you know, Matthew's written in 60 to 65 A.D. I have been in the book of Isaiah recently, and so um, just really trying to, trying to study that deeper, you know, and understanding and the parallels to the New Testament are, um, you know, are, are amazing, as many of you know. Um, but Isaiah was, um, he was a prophet from 740 to 681 B.C. There is an 800-year span, you know, between, between these books. And we're going to draw some parallels between some things that are, that are the same in both Matthew and Isaiah momentarily. But um, so you have this 800-year span, but so we can say that, is it safe to say that, you know, Isaiah, what he spoke, Matthew is fulfilling, you know, when we're seeing Jesus come and the things that Isaiah had prophesied that we are seeing fulfilled in, in Matthew. Um, so, and now here we sit 2,000 years later, we're still reading about it. We're still talking about it. And we're still seeing things unfold before our very eyes. Um, so. Good stuff. I'd say it this way. Isaiah spoke it. The book of Isaiah spoke it. The book of Matthew fulfilled it. And so many things are still being fulfilled, right? So think of it this way. We need God. We need Christ. We need his teachings. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his indwelling. And yes, we need the Holy Scriptures and the prophecies about the future. This Bible is the plan. It's the blueprint for life. It's the master plan for the last days. You want to know what's going to happen? Dig into this word. You want to know when it's going to happen? No, he's not going to tell you. <laughs> okay, he's not going to tell any of us. It's the word of God. It's infallible. It's infallible. It's without blemish. We need to use it. As a teacher, both of us were teachers at one time. As a teacher, I look at it this way, and excuse my crassness, if you will. It's the study guide, and it's the cheat sheet. It's got all the answers to the tests. Use it. It's the cheat sheet. Understand that you've got it. You've got it all in, within the, in the power of your hands. There's no alternate interpretations, and it does not change to be more culturally relevant. 
This word does not change. Denominations are changing. Denominations are getting enlightened and, and getting woke and starting to do things that we used to think that's not ever going to happen in the body of Christ. Entire church denominations are doing things that are anti what this book says because they claim to be culturally relevant and evolving into what's culturally relevant. That's a dangerous phrase. Culturally relevant is not spoken of in this Bible. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It has no errors. All right? We don't need a college professor to tell us that we need a global perspective. You need a biblical perspective. I don't want a college professor to tell me, uh, question whatever God looks like. It's in here. We just sang about it. Tori sang all about it. We know what he looks like. We know what he's all about. We don't need somebody to deconstruct our kid's faith. We don't need a professor who has your kid for one year or one semester in class to answer the hard questions. We've spent 18 years answering those questions, laying that foundation, building a temple that doesn't need mortar. And that's why we're going to pray for parents tonight. I feel strongly about that. I'm excited about praying over you. We need the Word. We need more time in the Word and less time on social media. This is the answer. It's the cheat sheet. It's the study guide. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little preachy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know what, what he was talking about, nobody knows the hour, but the one thing that I do know is every day is a day closer, so we need Amen. to be on guard, Good right? Work. I mean, Good. so that, that, that I, I am confident in. Um, we're going to start in Isaiah and um, just cover a little brief uh, introduction to it. The, the purpose of the book of Isaiah was to call the nation of Judah back to God and tell of God's salvation through the Messiah. Um, in studying, I, I learned that it, it is even called sometimes the mini Bible because there are 66, I get some nods from my um, friends down here, but there are 66 books in Isaiah and there are 66 chapters of the Bible. Well, in Isaiah, you have the first chapters one through 39 which are discussing the law. Well, guess how many books there are in the Old Testament? You know, 39 uh, books. And then it, from 40 to 66 in Isaiah, we're talking about grace, salvation, the coming Messiah, comfort, hope. Um, just like in the New Testament, we, we are, have the coming Messiah, you know, the Messiah has arrived and so has, has fulfilled the prophecy that um, Isaiah talked about. But... Um, there is a, a correlation, and so sometimes even I, I read that some refer to it, scholars, as the fifth gospel. Um, Isaiah was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament and the most quoted in the New Testament. So, um, and he speaks more about the Messiah than any other Old Testament prophet. Isaiah literally means Jehovah is salvation. Um, He's the primary forecaster of Jesus coming. In, I, in Isaiah uh, 46, 9 through 11, I just want to read this because it talks about the sovereignty of God. And it says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone 
am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east, a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said what I would do and I will do it. Um, the promises of God never fail. He knows all things. Um, even when we look at Isaiah in, in, in chapter 40 and we look at Matthew 3, it's even talk, it, it even talks about John the Baptist. It gives the same listen. It's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. So it is setting up the Messiah coming in. The most powerful, one of the most powerful prophecies that um, I was studying is King Cyrus, though. And it, is, uh, it was so powerful to me, and I, and I was telling Richie about it, because um, he, uh, he was the one that brought the Jews out of... Um, he was the king of Persia. God called him to be his, um, is a pagan king, and God was calling him to uh, let the Jews out of captivity. And once, once they were out of Babylon, he brought them out into, y'all, I am so sorry. Um, yeah, the promised land. So Isaiah called him by name a hundred years before he was born and 150 years before he even ruled. We see in Isaiah in 44 uh, verse 28 and in 45 1, it says in verse 44 28, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. And then in 45 1, this is what the Lord says to his anointed to Cyrus. Um, and I, I just, it was, it was about him releasing the Jews and coming um, to their rebuild Jerusalem. And so I thought, from my worldview, it's not a worldview. It's a biblical view, as Richie said. But when people ask me, what is your worldview? It's Israel. I mean, it is Israel. It is um, God's promise even to Abraham in Genesis 12:3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And then in Psalms 122, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. Um, it's the, Israel's the size of New Jersey. When you look at it and you think, you know, the one thing as, as the end of times come, the one thing is that we have countries who have contempt for Israel, you know. But that's the one thing that I know that God's promise stands forever and he is true and he is faithful. So I, I just believe if, Cy if Cyrus, this pagan king, God can use, God prophesied a hundred years before he was even born that what was going to happen, that I as a believer need to understand um, the importance of Israel and the Jews and us standing with them. So, um, yeah, and then we're going to try to yeah, parallel Yeah, and, and I want to say this because current events are important. Things that happen are important. What is to come? One of the prophecies that, that, that Israel will become a nation again. As we know, that took place in 1948. But not every country of the world has recognized Israel as a sovereign nation. Today, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you heard this or not. Today, Saudi Arabia recognized Israel as a nation. Today. I heard that today. 
Now, there were concessions made by Israel to the Palestinians for that to take place, but that's another prophecy that has to be fulfilled before Jesus returns to the earth. Today, check that one off. That one's done. That one doesn't have to be done. Again, clearing the path and the way for Jesus to come. Go check it out. It's exciting to me because we were there. So when you see that, that another Middle Eastern country, not a Christian nation by any stretch, as you well know, but they recognized Israel as a nation today. That's, that was critical. Matthew, talk about the purpose Matthew, of Matthew. Um, yeah, then we, we get into Matthew, and that's what Richie was reading in 24. But the purpose of the uh, gospel of Matthew is to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, the eternal king. Um, yeah, and, and I want to talk a little bit about Matthew because that's where I've been studying. And, uh, you know, it's the first book of the New Testament. It's the one that starts it all. It's where it all comes back into print after the wilderness years of Malachi that we don't know what took place for all those years. Then all of a sudden we've got the Gospels, the four Gospels, which, again, she said earlier, scholars say sometimes that Isaiah is the fifth book of the Gospels, even though it's an Old Testament book. So the first book of the New Testament, the Olivet Discourse, as we talked about, he's answering questions in uh, chapter 4, excuse me, of the four, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And it, about 50 days later, it's when Jesus ascended to heaven from that same spot, the Mount of Olives. Now, it begins with warnings, and it's very resemblant to Isaiah. It starts with warnings and ends in grace and ends in comfort. The book of Matthew does, okay? And each of these chapters, uh, Jesus' words start that way. In fact, chapter 23 is the strongest words, I believe, the strongest words of Jesus. Because he calls the scribes and Pharisees hypocrites seven times. Five times he says, y'all are blind. Two times he says, you're fools. He calls them snakes, serpents. He calls them all kinds of names and says, if you don't change your ways, you're going to hell. It doesn't get any stronger from the Messiah who later dies on the cross in the same book and gives himself up for the sins of these people that he's chewing out in chapter 23. So chapter 24, he turns it and says, but be encouraged because you will be saved. You will be saved. Believe on my name and you will be saved. Stay with it. Don't panic. I think we, we get in positions sometimes that we panic. We get in situations sometimes and we panic. We get in, in circumstances and situations and we say, uh, we can't do it. We can't handle this. We don't know what to do. Stay encouraged. He knows everything that will befall you in your entire lifetime. And he offers you powerful promises to overcome those things. He offers you a word that can encourage you. You can come to church and get your tank filled up. Get prepared to get, like, what do you need? I, need? I just need something I can hold on to to get through this thing that I'm going through. Everybody's got those things that you're going through. Everybody needs to get through your week. Some of you need a little bit more money to get through the month. Some of you need healing in your body. Some of you need healing in mental health aspects. Jesus is the answer to all those things. He has everything that you need right there in your word. It's the bread of life. And it's a guarantee that comes from a God that has 100% come through every time. Has never missed, has never failed, and never will. It's a repeated warning that gives encouragement throughout the chapters. And it gives forgiveness through repentance. The 70 times 7 thing. Over and over and over again. Second chances, 70th chances. We can always repent and come back to Jesus. Now, we need to exhibit life change, right? If we're saved and we're in the body, we, we, we preach holiness around here. 
I tell our team all the time, that, that stage better be sanctified and you better protect this pulpit. We're not going to send anybody up here that's doing something stupid on Saturday night. Okay? Live a holy life, but understand the forgiveness of repentance and what that re represents. So what does all this mean to me and how can I apply it to my daily life? Because, Richie, you don't understand. I'm just trying to make it. I'm doing everything I can to get through. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to raise my kids. I'm doing everything I can to keep my marriage together. I'm doing everything I can with my physical limitations and the health crisis that I'm in. I'm doing everything I can. How does all this? It's great. Okay, y'all are teaching the Bible and then, okay, Isaiah and Matthew and a couple cool stats I didn't know. But what does it mean to me? Tell them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what um, I, I do want to go back just briefly on the, the first start in, in Matthew when, where it talks about, you know, the disciples are pointing out to the temple. And it was like, Jesus, look at this temple, you know, and he was like, don't look at the building. You know, we're, we're not looking at the building. I want to show you what is to come. And, I, you know, it just it, it tugged at my heart to say, you know, what what am I looking at? You know, am I looking at eternal things or am I looking at, at, at the earthly things? You know, what is my focus on? And when we realize as, as um, that it changes our priorities, when we realize what really matters and what we are to be on guard and to be aware of the times that we are living in and what is to come. It's a strong warning for me just personally as a mom, if I can just talk as a mother uh, for a few minutes. I just think we have got to be aware of what's going on around us, like we've, you know, talked about, like Richie mentioned. And when I just see the, the world trying to confuse our young people and the next generation, um, it, you know, I, it just, it, it bothers me. And I think we have got, I, don't, I do not want to add stress because we are not to be fearful, but I think that we are to be on guard. And um, there, there is a difference and I, you know, I feel like if I feel like anybody is a threat to my children, I need to be aware and it is my responsibility to prepare them in the word, you know. And so we need to also be aware, as he was saying, you talk about education, higher education, be aware of who is pouring into your children and what they are pouring into your children. I just think that is very critical in this, in this day and time that we're living because we have counterfeit um, you know, counterfeits all around. That They want to make it look shiny. The enemy, Satan, he, he's not, it's not going to come out and say, hey, this is bad for you. He's very sly, cunning, the serpent. It's like with Eve. It, oh, there's a gray area. Well, surely that's not what God meant. I mean, not really all the way, you know. And I, I think now it's, it's a lot of people you'll hear, well, that was for th then, but not now. Right. You know, our, it's what he was saying, our culture, you know. Uh, is different. So, because Matthew 24, 4, watch out that no one deceives you. I, I want to even go into uh, another scripture in 1 Peter. Listen to this 5 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around, roaring like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And I think he's after our families. He's after our kids. I mean, he is after anything. Um, that, that he can get his hands on. And then in 2 Corinthians, it says these people are false. And uh, 11, 13 to 14, these people are false prophets. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Um, 
you know, I just think anybody, if, if, they're, if they're trying to create doubt in our children and just try to say, oh, that's not really black and white. The Bible's not that way anymore. Doubt leads to denial. And that's where we've got to be on guard. Um, and then we get to there, well, there's no consequence of sin. And I think, you know, the big thing that we, that we hear right now is, oh, well, that's not loving. That's harsh, you know. And I'm thinking, no, loving, if you love somebody, you want them to walk in the truth and in freedom and in the purpose and the calling of everything that God has for them. And that's what I see as our, our parental responsibility. And I, I do not want to put pressure on um, moms or dads or families, grandparents, anybody. But the last decade, even since our girls have been teenagers to what now, I mean, just how things are just have spiraled. I mean, your, I, the technology, these devices, I know that there's a lot of good that can come from them. We can uh, reach the world. We can spread the gospel so much. But then there is also just a lot of junk that the enemy wants every individual. I mean, we all need to have guardrails, but especially those of you who have small children, um, you know, with their eyes and ears, these are entry points to the mind, to the heart. And um, so anyway, I, the movies nowadays, I mean, you used to could just go watch a kid's movie and not, I mean, now I, you want to preview every single thing because it's what is that you know, what is that underlying, just that little bit to get, you know, maybe in their head and, and to think, hmm, you know, maybe mom and dad, I don't know that, that there's anything wrong with that. So I think that is what we have got to be on guard of in the coming days and um, as we are watching the uh, prophecy come, come about and, and, and fulfilling. And, oh, don't worry. Uh, what does this mean to me? Sorry, my spot. Um, what does this mean? Don't worry. And this is what um, is very difficult for me because I am a warrior. And so even Sunday, Pastor Chris Ryan said something about, do you worry? Well, I had my whole family look at me, and I was like, don't look at me, everybody, and I don't want everybody to know that I worry. But, um, you know, I, the news, the news... Uh, you know, as Richie was saying, is I just have to turn it off sometimes. I got to where I, I, it was on all the time, and it's just, I just thought, this is not, this is not encouraging me. It's not supposed to encourage. I know. Now, at the same time, I got to where I would turn it off for so long that I didn't know what was going on, and I don't want to be naive. I think as believers, we have got to know what is going on. I mean, just recently, I, you know, it was I perked up because I thought, oh, Israel. Okay, what are they saying? <laughs> because again, that's what I'm looking at, you know, Israel as, as we watch these prophecies being fulfilled. Um, I do want to say though, when I, when, I, when I watch the news, I think we all need to pray for our leaders. We need to, I mean, a part of my prayer is even whether it's local, government, our presidents, world leaders, is part of my prayer is just, Lord, if they have um, ever known you and maybe gotten a little sidetracked or whatever, please remind them, you know, Holy Spirit, bring them to know, you know, back to what they know the truth in your word. Um, so let me say this about, about our leaders, because we have gotten so politicized 
and we've gotten so divided. We need to pray for our leaders. And, I, and she said, if they've ever known you, if they haven't ever known you, God can change the heart of any man or woman on this earth. And we need to pray that they are lifted up, not that they fall down the steps. We don't need to celebrate when somebody that's 80 years old and is a leader falls down steps and laugh at them. We need to say God changed their heart. God equipped their minds. We don't need to pray for sonality and, and, and all the different things that they call. It doesn't matter. They, both sides hate the other, and both sides make fun of the other. We need to pray for the other. We need to pray for, for uh, Republicans and Democrats and independents, and we need to pray that all of them are independent so that they don't take a side, but that they represent all of us. And we need to pray for godly wisdom in these times and stop laughing at them when they fall. Is that okay? And yeah, one time, one time in my prayer time, I, I, I literally just saw like we, the song that we used to sing in children's church, he's got the whole world in his hands. When it does seem like, what is going on? You know, this is, this is chaos. And I, I just saw, I just saw the world in his hands and you know, we are, we are not to be fearful. Um, he is in control. I also, the way things work for me sometimes is uh, just in my prayer time, I'll just see a picture of something. And so a couple years ago, um, I just saw, I was praying and for just deception in the world. And I, I, I just saw the, the word, the Bible, the word, and then world. And there's only one letter that's in that that makes it different. And I just thought, you know, it was powerful because I felt like the Lord was saying, don't let the world create what the word is. And, you know, just going back to, to this gray area and, and the deception that, that the enemy wants for our lives and for our children's lives. And that letter is L. I preached that before from this pulpit. That, that L, that L represents a lost. Wins and losses, W's and L's. You don't have to take the L if you stand on the word. The world has an L. The word does not have an L. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also in the let's let's look at sound teaching for for a moment. We've talked about deception. Second Timothy four one and one through four. But let's just look at verse three. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth. Itching ears. Let, let me say this. Our current circumstances do not determine the final outcome. If you don't like where you are, you don't have to stay there. Understand that it's not God's intention for you to stay there. If you're in an uncomfortable position or a compromising position or, or in a position that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, find the light. Jesus is the light. The word is the light. You do have hope. You have hope. We have hope when we see the doomsday news. We have hope when we see global problems. We have hope when, when we see divisiveness. We have hope when your current circumstances don't line up with what you think God's calling is on your life. When you haven't gotten the opportunity that you feel like you deserve, you still have hope. Current circumstances do not determine your final outcome. Too often we try to use God to change our circumstances, but what if he's trying to use those circumstances to change your heart? What if those circumstances are in place to teach you a lesson? And if you learn the lesson, again, you don't have to take that L. Learn the lesson. Don't take the loss. Just learn the lesson. Understand. Understand what those circumstances. Grow. 
your waiting season is not a wasted season. Make the most of your waiting season. Do the right thing. Say it, heed it, believe it, receive it. True prophecy is what is to come. Jesus' prophecies all come true. The word of the Lord all came true and is coming true and will continue to come through. Here, understand this. Every group of people recognize Jesus as a good man. Jesus is in the Quran, spoken very positively about the son of Mary. Debatable as to whether or not he's the Messiah. The Jews may not recognize him as the Messiah, but you know what they say? He's a good man. History was kind to Jesus. History continues to be kind to Jesus. But here's the difference. A lot of, a, a lot of other faiths and even atheists, atheists will tell you, yeah, that probably was a guy named Jesus. He probably was a good man. Listen to English teachers. Listen to the tense of the sentence. Was. Was. Jesus was. Jesus was. Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a good man. Jesus. No, no, no. We believe he was. He is and is to come. He was. He is. And he will be. Kind. Good. Gracious. Merciful. Forgiving. All of these things. Billy Graham says when the evil day comes, we don't have to be dependent on the circumstances around us because we have the resources of God. We have hope. Too often we try to use those circumstances. I've said it before. You got to see it, heed it, believe it, and receive it. All that is in this word right here. The blueprint. Prophecy is practical. Talk, Steph. Yes. Prophecy is practical. If it's not applicable, applicable we don't need it. Um, and I just, I want to say, you know, sometimes it can be a warning for, for someone from someone, but it will always line up with scripture. You, that's why it's important that uh, we have the word in us. It will never contradict. It is not hopeless. We win. Um, and we've, we've gotten words of, of prophecy, a prophetic word over us in, in, um, in years past. And I just want to encourage somebody that it's not always immediate. Even when our girls have gotten words, you know, I don't, they might get excited or they come and, you know, and it's, and it's a positive and it's a wonderful word and you know that the Lord is, is upon it, you know. But I'm like, it doesn't even mean that it's going to be this month, this year, because we are now, we're still in prophecy 20 years later, you know, sometimes a word of, of a very respected you know, pastor evangelist that many of you would know. Um, so when, when you just watch that unfold over the years, um, you just know that the Lord is in it. And in um, Luke 4.18, it's when Jesus is in the synagogue um, teaching in Nazareth, and he opens up the scroll and reads Isaiah 61. Right. So here we see Isaiah... And then here we see this being fulfilled with Jesus in the synagogue, opening up the scroll to read what was written in Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Again, I was just reminded of that in, in praise and worship, you know. And, and Pastor Ryan, I just want to say what, with what you said we're talking about the blood, and it was so powerful, as Richie said, when we were in Israel. One of the most powerful things, and he was talking about this um, being on the Mount of Olives, 
is when we visited, when, when people had asked me what was the most powerful thing, for me it was the Garden of Gethsemane because that is where Jesus made the decision, it's not my will, but thy will. The eternal hope, our security, um, the ultimate prophecy fulfilled. I'll give you a couple of things that I think are practical along those lines. Again, it can be a warning, but it will always be in love. And understand that if it is a warning, there will be a provision for a way out. One of the most, and I'm gonna embarrass somebody right here, but it's okay. One of the most trusted prophetic voices in this church, in my life personally, sits right there. Sits right there and teaches at our, at our Bible school, actually is an administrator at our Bible school. Sam, you got a great mom, but she encourages me constantly. And every now and then she'll tell me, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. But it's always positive and it's always uplifting. Now, there can be warnings, understand that. But most of the time, if it's a word and it's a word for you and it's from God, it'll either be that heed the warning, but understand there's a way out. Or it will be an encouragement to take the next step and whatever it is that God's got for you. Don't hold back. Here's what I would say. When you receive a prophetic word, don't fight it and don't fear it. Don't fight it. Don't fear it. Heed it, receive it, believe it, see it, see it come to fruition. Don't fear it and don't fight it. A trusted prophet, let me talk to you about a trusted prophet and what a voice in your life looks like. I believe this, it's energizing, not exhausting. It's not exasperated. It does not cause worry or weariness, okay? Now understand this, people are still people. We're all people. My, my daughter started working here in June. And the first thing I told her, I said, now you've got a Sunday morning version of what RTTN is. You're going to see me on a bad day. <laughs> You're going to see people being people. Church people are people. Amen? Christians are people. Sometimes we have, so understand that this is going to be the greatest workplace you've ever worked in. But there, you're going to see that sometimes people become people. And sometimes people might speak a word because it's, you know, if my mom and dad spoke a word over us, there's a little selfishness in that. Is that fair? They've got an ulterior motive. I remember when my mom and dad, we lived in Georgia for 22 years, and I remember my mom and dad said, I believe the Lord wants you to come back to Cleveland, Tennessee. I'm like, that's you. That's not thus saith the Lord. That's mom and dad saying, come home and bring my baby girl so I can see my grandkids. Yeah. Understand that, okay? And, I, and I'm not trying to to downgrade or, or I want you to understand the difference, okay? It's energizing, it's not exhausting or exasperating. It educates, it does not exaggerate. It always will educate you. Supernatural is enough as it is. The word stands on its own. The truth is the truth. It's not self-serving and it never has anything to gain personally. Understand that. If you sense that it has a preference, then it's not a prophecy. Does that work? And you need to, let me tell you this. It should not be feared, fault, and never faked. Is that, strong? Is that too strong? Uh, let me give you an example. Um, and I don't mean this wrong, but a long time ago, um, I was praying and seeking the Lord for healing over a physical wound that I had. And I received a word from a pure-hearted person who loves Jesus, is a great person, and they came. And I was praying, and I had raised my hand for healing. Well, I think the misinterpretation was that I had cancer. So 
they're praying over me and, and looking at me and prophesying to me and preaching at me and saying, you will live, you will not die. I don't care what the doctor reports it. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. You will live and you will not die. And, on and, on and I was like, hey, I got a bad ankle. <laughs> I don't have cancer. Thank you so much for believing and praying for me, but I just got a bad ankle. So if you're going to prophesy, you need to be right. <laughs> Is that fair? Jesus was never wrong. So you need to know that it's from the Lord. If you, if you say, thus saith the Lord, be sure that the Lord said it. Is that fair? Is that okay? Needs to be right. You need to know that he said it. Steph? Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I thought you were going to Let me give you a carnal example of a prophecy. In 2007 in USA Today, Steve Ballmer that the then Microsoft CEO said that there is no chance that iPhones will make it. Tech nerds will buy them and dig them, but not the general public. Well, he said, I want products that appeal to everyone. So 16 years later with uh, 2 billion sold, I believe Steve was wrong. He didn't get it right. I think the question is almost who does not have an iPhone, right, <laughs> these days? Uh, Real quickly, what do we know to be right, Steph? What do we know about to be right, the truth? The encyclopedia of biblical prophecies tell us there are 1,239 in the Old Testament, 578 in the New Testament, for a total of 1,817, encompassing over 8,352 verses of the 31,102 verses, more than 25% of the Bible is prophecies. Mm. Um, there, you know, there's just, there's so much focus on prophecy laid out in John chapter 16 and 1. Have I... I've had told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. It increases our faith when we see the prophecies. In 16.4, he says, yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little while longer. Stand with us. We're going to shut it down. We got so much more information, and it's always this way. I was telling her earlier, you always seem to run out of time. I want to have a time of prayer. And we're going to do this quickly because we want to get out and you go get your children. But we're going to have a time of prayer. If you're a parent and you've got a student that's entering school or that entered school this week, would you just come down and let us pray with you? I want Pastor Rick and Carolyn and the team, Ryan, to line up. And we're going to have an old-fashioned prayer walk because this is what we're going to do Sunday with your children. But how many of you know we as parents need direction? We need wisdom and we need guidance and we need prayer. As a parent, we need prayer. You know what I found? Most of the time, if you allow your students to take care of their own circumstances, they can handle it better than we can. When mama bears and daddy bears get involved, sometimes we can skew things, and kids are quicker to forgive. But I want to lay hands on each one of you if, you, if you will allow us to allow Stephanie and I. We've got a 22 and a 24-year-old, and we're empty nesters. And you could say we made it, but we haven't made it. That they never become something other than your child. They never become something other than your son and daughter. So we're going to pray as the worship team comes and Tori and Rashara and the team can come and sing. But if you'll give us the opportunity, I just want to pray for you. We'll do this quickly. You'll be able to go get your children. But I believe that it's powerful when we pray as parents. If you'll take the hand of your spouse, take the hand of your person that you're with and, and your loved one, and we're going to close the service. If you're watching online, if you need salvation, put it in the chat.
you need anything from the Lord in the house and you want to come down and pray, this is your chance. You don't have to be a parent. You need Jesus. You want to set it straight with Jesus. You need to rededicate your life. Come down and we'll pray with you at a separate time. Is that okay? For those of you that are out there, God bless you. We will see you Sunday when Pastors Kevin and Devin will be back.